I want to start a new series that I'm titling Do the Hard Things. Um, and I got to kind of tell you about how this, this came about. I, I experienced something a couple weeks ago that I have not experienced in years. Anxiety. Uh, I just, I don't really relate to that a lot. And a couple, couple weeks ago, I, I started a new job after 13 years. I'm still doing the same thing, but just with a different company. And uh, the first day was fine. The second day, I was like, ooh, this is a little different. The third day, I told my boss, I said, I got to get out of here uh, because I'm feeling overwhelmed. And so I got in my car and I was driving. I called my wife and I started to tell her about how I felt. And I'm like, man, maybe I made the wrong decision. And I'm second guessing and all this kind of stuff. And she says to me, I think God is trying to show you something here. Now, as she's saying that to me, the Lord says to me, I believe it was the spirit of God saying to me, did you think just because I opened the door, this was going to be easy? It's like, yes, I did. I don't deal with anxiety and worry and fear and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, I thought it was going to be business as usual. And just as my wife was talking to me and I'm listening to the spirit of the Lord, it's like, this is a tremendous opportunity for me. This is hard. This is stretching me. This is uncomfortable. I want to quit and go back to what is comfortable. But nobody ever gets anywhere doing what's comfortable. You don't grow in a place of comfort. Right. You actually might put on a few more pounds. As you can tell, I've been comfortable over the last few years working from home and having the button, the easy street button. But we're called as the people of God to do hard things, not impossible, because impossible is God's responsibility. Right? What's the scripture say? With God, nothing shall be impossible. It might be hard, but it will not be impossible. Only God can save our soul. That's, that's impossible, but with God. Right? We as the body of Christ, as disciples of Christ, we're called to do the hard things. And that means sometimes we're going to walk through times of anxiety. We're going to walk through times of fear. We're going to walk through times of worry. We're going to walk through times of maybe even confusion. What we have to do is we need to hold on to God. Now, let me say this. If you are dealing with anxiety or fear or worry or any of those kinds of things, it does not mean you're not saved. It might mean you need to press deeper into the Lord. It may mean that you need to get transparent and reveal that to someone else like I did. I, I could have I tried to play Superman and got, got home that day and my wife said, how was your day? Oh, it was perfect. It was great. And I said, I got I to gotta call her. I got to get some prayer or some insight. I have some anxiety and this is unfamiliar to me. So if you're dealing with those things, it doesn't mean you're not saved. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. doesn't mean any of that. It, it does mean, though, you need to reveal that to some people that love you, who can pray with you, who can stand with you, who can counsel you through it, who can give you a different perspective. Because here was my situation. I was looking at this, this one little ball of challenges. And from that one little narrow view, I just saw failure. 
And it starts to create anxiety, starts to create fear, starts to create doubt, starts to create worry. But we're called as people of God to do the hard things. So we can't quit. We can't back up. We have to keep pressing forward. We have to keep marching on. Amen? Amen. Oftentimes, the will of God is surrounded by hardship and challenges. Right? When I was immature in the things of God, I thought, man, if it was the will of God, it would be easy. You know what I mean? It would be a broad highway with no potholes. And I'd be the only one on the highway. Right? In a Ferrari. (laughs) But as I start to grow and start to mature in the things of God, I start to realize, man, the, the, the size of the challenge, the size of the opposition can actually reveal more about how much God is involved in this. It can reveal the importance of what it is that we are undertaking. Oftentimes, the will of God is surrounded by challenges and opposition. David put it this way in Psalm chapter 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we all say amen to that. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. We're like, amen. Preach it, David. He restores, verse 3, my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Man, we're all in agreement right now. Then David says this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that's where we say, the valley of the shadow of death? That sounds hard. That sounds scary. That sounds uncomfortable. He goes on in verse 5. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Don't know, Lord, don't do that. Get rid of my enemies. Deal with them. Keep them far from me. I don't want to sit in a table with them surrounding me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So David understood something about God, that he is my shepherd, that he does lead me by still waters, that he does all these good things. But at the same time, he'll also place me in challenging situations. In fact, he may even lead me into that because there's something in me that needs to come out. Or there's something that he's trying to work out of me, right? So when we go through these trials, when we go through these difficult times, God's either trying to work something in us or out of us. He's either trying to further solidify godly character in us or he's trying to get the world and the flesh out of us. Either way, it's going to be good. Either way, it's his leading. Either way, it's his desire for you because he loves you. And he knows the plans that he has for you. 
Some of us are just too comfortable in life. I was in my career. I was like, man, I, I can do this for 50 more years. Retirement, what's that? I mean, this is easy. Then you just move. You're still doing the same thing, just with a different company. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, this is different. This, I'm having to use muscles that I haven't used before. And it's creating some stress and some anxiety. And now I'm starting to fear that I won't be successful. Maybe I didn't hear the Lord. And it's like, settle down. Do the hard thing. The hard thing is often uncomfortable. The hard thing often challenges us to go to a new level. The hard thing often causes us to sink deeper into our relationship with Christ. The hard thing often causes us to have to walk by faith. We all know we should. We quote the scripture. We declare it. Walk by faith and not by sight. Then we, when we have to walk by faith and not by sight, we're like, God, where are you? Right? It's like praying for patience. It doesn't come the way we want. Situations come to train us to walk in patience. Right? I start asking the Lord, Lord, help me be more like my wife to be more merciful. Start putting people around me to just irritate me. Right? None of you. I'm not talking about any of you. (laughs) Is that my old church? (laughs) No. Let's keep reading. In, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses, verses 8 and 9, Paul says it this way. He says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Not but, and. There are many adversaries. There's much opposition. But you just said God has opened a great and effective door for you to do ministry. yes. And there's opposition all around. Paul is a man who said, I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to tarry. I'm going to stay here in Ephesus and fight against the opposition because this is where God has me. This is where my opportunity for fruitfulness is. This is where I can continue to grow. How are you looking at your opposition, church? Are you already defeated before the battle even begun? Or are you realizing God is with me in this too? Right? That's where I had to get to. God has been with me the past 13 years at my previous employer. He'll be with me now. And yes, there'll be challenges. Yes, there'll be opposition. Yes, there'll be difficulty. But God is with me. And I will overcome in Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm just talking about something that's, that's little, that's peanuts. But at the same time, it was, it was a hard challenge for me. There are some of you dealing with sickness, like real sickness. Some of you dealing with relational issues. Some of you have children that are away from the Lord. Some of you are dealing with depression and real anxiety. So I'm not, you you might be listening to my little testimony and say, oh my goodness, like what is he complaining about? Yes, it's not on your level, but it still was very real for me. 
And the point that I'm trying to make is that everyone is going through something. Everybody is dealing with something. Stacy and I went to a pastor's retreat a couple weeks ago back down in Florida. And um, I'll be honest, I had a bad attitude about it. I didn't want to go. Uh, I just, for multiple reasons, I didn't want to go. We're at the airport and, you know, we, we did our check-in online, but they didn't give us our seats. So they're like, go to your gate and we'll assign your seats to you there. So we get to the gate, we assign the seats, or we go up to the gate to ask for our seats. And the lady goes, oh, it's kind of late. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to assign you seats or get you checked in. And I was thinking, praise the Lord. I can tell Pastor Hayes I'm not coming because we missed our flight and I can go back home. And the Lord says to me, I have something for you there if you get your attitude together. So I turned to Stacy. I said, we got we to get our attitude together, right? Like God has something for us. You know, let's, let's repent and get our act together. And it, it was phenomenal. And you know why it was phenomenal? Because there were 10 pastoral couples there and every one of us was going through something. Every last one of us was going through something. And Stacy and I were sharing kind of some of the stuff that we've been dealing with. And Pastor Hayes said, he turns and he says to me, you're, you're like a son to me. Why am I just now hearing this? Why haven't you picked up the phone and called me? And, and I, I just, it's, it's like it just, in my mind, it, it's not a big enough issue to bother you with. He's like, yeah, but you're like a son to me. Why am I just hearing this? I, I don't have an excuse. And the point of me telling that story is some of us in this room or watching online, we're suffering in silence. We're dealing with hard things. And we've been dealing with them on our own. Because we're either too prideful to open up or because we're too private or because it's not a big deal to someone else. So I'm not going to burden them with that. Or we can be buying into the lie of the devil that I'm the only one. Or if I tell these people that, then, then maybe they won't think I'm a Christian. There's all kind of excuses, right? Valid excuses to keep it to yourself. But I'll tell you this, you're only going to come out of it by revealing it. You're only going to start to overcome as you start to open up to other people who love you. I'm not saying be a blabbermouth and go tell everybody everything because some people don't need to know what you're dealing with because they'll use it as a sword against you. I've had to learn that in my preaching. Sometimes I'm too transparent because then people will, they'll, they'll use something I preach up here to say, even you said about yourself. And it's like, oh, okay. That's the game we're playing. So you don't need to tell everybody, but you need to find people who love you and who are in your corner to open up to because you're not alone. You're not the only one dealing with it. I look up here, I see a couple of our young people, and I'm not picking on them, but, but, but your generation 
holds everything to themselves and you guys are suffering with stuff. And you got to start to open up. Us men, we go through things and we just keep it to ourselves because it's the American way. I'm a man. I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. It all depends on me. And that's not God's way. He's put us in relationship for a purpose. Then you got the hyper-spiritual people. I just need Jesus. Jesus didn't even say that. Right? Jesus doesn't even agree with that. He sent the Holy Spirit. He put you in relationship. He put you in his body. Amen? So why are we suffering in silence? Why won't we open up? Why are we dealing with the hard things all by ourselves? In fact, even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, man, maybe opening up is the hard thing. Right? But do it. Maybe for you, opening up is the difficult thing to do. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Why lift the burden on your own? Why struggle through this on your own? You opening up to someone who loves you and cares for you and has their ear to the voice of God can take a trial that was, that, that was on track to last for five years and turn it into five months. Because you'll, just, you'll go around that mountain for 40 years like Israel in the desert, right? An 11-day journey. 40 years and a totally different generation to get into the promised land. Don't let that be you and I. Let's open up. Let's start to be transparent. Let's start to talk because we're all dealing with something. Amen? In fact, I'm just going to, this could be risky, but I'm going to do it. I'm not telling you to reveal what it is, but if you're dealing with something, right, just raise your hand. I am, right? Look around. Not everyone's hand is up, but there's a lot of hands up. So it's not just you. You're not weird. <laughs> you're not a fake Christian. You're alive. You're living. You're pursuing the things of God. And oftentimes that comes with opposition. Amen? Amen. I believe also that we're in one of these seasons that is referred to in Daniel chapter 7. Because in Daniel chapter 7, it starts to talk about this king that rises up and will start to persecute the church, starts to persecute the saints of God. And, and, and I want to read this to you. Daniel 7 verse 25, it says, and he shall speak. Uh, pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time and times and half a time. I think we're in one of those seasons where the enemy, because that word, he shall, when it says he shall persecute the saints, it means to wear out. I think we're in one of those seasons now where the enemy is, is just buffeting us and it's wearing some of us out to the point where we're starting to go with the flow. We're fighting against it, 
But because the buffeting is just so consistent and it's wearing us out because we're trying to deal with it on our own, it started to turn us in the direction of just going with the flow because it's easier. And we justify it, right? We justify it. Well, man, I mean, I've been dealing with this for two years, three years. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this going with the flow is the direction and the will of God for my life. But it's taking you away from your purpose. Maybe I was wrong about my purpose. Maybe I wasn't hearing God. You see how that starts to get us way off track. Because we're just in a season, man, where the enemy is, is, is buffeting us and, and he's wearing us out. And so we need to call upon one another. We need to, to be what we say we are, which is disciples of Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ and, and part of the body of Christ. We need to be Christians. We need to do what we're commanded to do, which is love each other. Pray for one another. Right? Instead of saying, yeah, Crosby, I hear that. I'm going I'm to I'm keep that in prayer. No, how about, because you know you're not. It was good intentions when you said it, but you're going to leave and be like, what, what, what was that again? I can't remember. You're not going to pray. So just pray now. Amen. Just pray right now. Yep. Right? Because we're in this season, man, where the enemy is just trying to wear us out. And if you're going to walk through this season by yourself, good luck to you. And I don't believe in luck. If you're going to walk through this season trying to be Superman or Superwoman, and I don't need anybody, and, you know, those people betrayed me last time, I, I get it. I get it. I remember when I first got saved, man, I'm at a men's conference and we go out to this, we go out to eat after the men's conference and it's me and five other guys at this table eating and, you know, they're just having a good time and I'm struggling with, with, with impurity in my life. I'm struggling with it and they're sitting there and we're having a good time and I, and I just blurted out and say, man, I'm struggling with this and I don't really know what to do and the table got quiet. And the guy who was kind of like the leader, supposedly the most mature of all of us, he says and does this. Brother, just pray about it. Just pray about it. So not only was he verbally dismissing me, but with his hand, he was saying, shut up. I don't care about that. I can't relate to that. Something's wrong with you. None of us are dealing with it. You're not praying enough. You don't have enough faith. Like, he didn't say any of that, but he said all of that to me when he said, just pray about it and went right back to their conversation. And I said to myself, I made an unholy vow. I said, ooh, I will never do that again. Never. And then I start to think, man, I'm going to hell. I'm not really saved. These guys don't deal with that, right? And it took the Holy Spirit saying to me, Charles, when you weren't saved, you had no conviction about it. The fact that you're wanting help is proof that you're saved, that you're in me. 
And thankfully, I have a great pastor who I just bothered. At least that's how I felt. And he told me I was never a bother that I could go to and say, Pastor G, like I'm struggling with this. And he didn't say, just pray about it. He sat me down and in, in, in compassion and mercy helped me see some things to start to walk out of that. Amen? Amen. The point that I'm making, church, is when the enemy is trying to wear us out, we need one another. And you being there for someone is as important as you opening up to somebody. Because some people are real good at being there for people who need it. And they're terrible at, at, at taking off their own mask. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. You understand what I mean by that? Like you're, you're, you're super Christian, brother, sister in Christ. So people are always reaching up to you and you're always there. But you have no issues. But you got a ton of issues. You're not reaching back to anyone else. This thing that we're in called relationship, in fact, called covenant, is mutually beneficial. We should be pouring into one another. Right? That's a hard thing to do. But that's what we're called to do. Remember, everybody is dealing with something. And you can either deal with it on your own and turn a small trial into a lifestyle or you can open up and receive prayer and be transparent. In fact, let me say this. I'm way off my notes right now, but I really feel like this is what the Holy Spirit is, is this is the path the Holy Spirit has taken us today. You know, when you, when you reveal, when you reveal or confess, what you're doing is you're bringing that into the light, right? And what does the scripture say? It says, walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, that we may have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us from all sin. So some of us are confession away from receiving the power we need or the grace we need to walk free of the stronghold of the sin. Right? The scripture says, pray for one another. Right? Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Because I'm telling you now, most of our challenges, especially sin challenges, are due to some kind of wound that we have experienced. And it's not deliverance so much as it is, I just need to be healed. Right? Like I start to realize that, man. Like the, 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 the wound that I had, and my wife used to tell me this. And I was like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Like, go sit down somewhere. But she would say to me, I think you not having your dad in your life like has, has hurt you. I'm like, I'm like a math guy, right? So one plus one is two, you know? And so I'm like, how? That doesn't make sense. He's never been in my life. So how could I miss something I never had? But she was absolutely right. She was telling me that in my 20s. It took me till my mid-30s to realize how right she was. 
Mark it on the calendar. I just said my wife was right. <laughs> I didn't know. I was too either dumb or prideful to hear wisdom. But when I start to realize, man, not having my father has created a wound in me, that's why I'm angry. That's why I'm always striving. That's why I'm overly competitive. Because I'm trying to get validation from someone. And then even when I get it, I discount it. Right? Like Pastor G used to be like, oh, it's the great Charles Butler. I'd be like, please stop. It would embarrass me. To this day, I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to receive honor from people. It's hard. I said to our leadership team a couple years ago, listen, don't do anything special on this Pastor Appreciation Month. Don't do anything for my birthday. Just don't do it. And as recent as a couple months ago, the Lord convicted me saying that honor isn't about you. That honor is about them. Because there's a blessing that comes when people honor other people. And you're, you're keeping them from being able to receive my blessing for honoring you. Man, I felt so convicted. So I said to our leadership team, like, I, I got to repent to that. I was wrong. But the point that I'm making is all of that stuff stems from a father wound that is getting healed. It's a lot more healed than it was. But there's still more work that God has to do in healing me. So I've got to be transparent about that. I've got to confess that to brothers and sisters in Christ, people who love me, who are, who, who, who are faithful, people like Eric Dreesen, who I know loves me and is never going to take that and use it as a knife to stick in my back or use it or manipulate that. People like Linda and Dan Wisniewski, right? But it's hard. It can be difficult. But what does Paul say when he's talking about I will glory in my infirmities and reproaches and needs and all these weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me because it's through the grace of God that we will overcome. It's through the grace of God that we will go to another level. It's through the grace of God that the yoke that the enemy wants to put on our necks is broken. And I'm just telling you, church, we're in this place where the enemy is trying to wear us out. And he's winning because we're not using the resources that are at our disposal. And those resources are the people sitting to your right, your left, in front of you and behind you. So you have to be in a place where you're a willing ear. You can give a willing ear a listening ear, but then you also need to be willing to take the mask off because this is the thing that people know. People, you can't fool people, right? Especially the people of God. You might be able to fool them for a little bit, but eventually they're going to realize that person is not honest 
because I'm pouring out and they're perfect. And so what that starts to do is hinder relationship. And they just start, they stop talking to you. I don't mean all together. I mean, they stop pouring their heart out to you because there's no trust there. For me, it's hard when you, when you deal with, with folks who have no scars. You know what I mean? They have no scars. They have no testimony of, of Jesus walking them through any victory. Their testimony is, I got saved 25 years ago, and I've been faithful to the Lord ever since. Okay. Love you. Let me go over here with these people that are limping. These people that are missing some fingers. No, I'm serious. Right? They've been through some battles. Because this joker over here ain't been through nothing. He's not going to be able to relate to me. But these people know what it's like to be in a foxhole spiritually and fight their way out. Let me hang out with them. Let me open up to them. Amen? Amen. Let me get back to my notes. Oftentimes, spiritual promotion is on the other side of the hard thing. I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes, your promotion in the spirit is on the other side of you doing that thing that is hard, that is difficult, that you don't want to do, right? That is stretching you. They might, might cause you to have a difficult time looking yourself in the mirror, not because you've done something sinful, but just because it's, it's, it's so contrary to your carnal nature, Right? Let me give an example because some of you are looking at me like you don't understand what I'm saying. I grew up fighting. That's just the way you handle stuff, right? You just, you just fought. And I remember the first time after getting saved where there was an opportunity for me to fight someone and I backed down because it was the right thing to do. I wasn't married at the time. It was the right thing to do. And I remember struggling, seriously, looking myself in the mirror because I felt like a chump. And I had to retrain my brain that no, that doesn't make you a chump. That actually makes you godly. That makes you more Christ-like because he didn't revile when reviled. He didn't return evil with evil, but he returned evil with good. Now the way that you were raised was to return evil with evil. An eye for an eye. Actually, for us, for me, it was take an arm if they take an eye. Right? You don't get even. You get ahead was the way I was raised. And so when I got saved and started knowing the Lord and he started breaking that down in me, because of there's still flesh in me, it was difficult to deal with myself. But the closer I drew to Jesus and the closer I drew to godly, other godly men, the more that went away. Now I don't have a problem. I don't pray. I hope I never have to fight anyone again in my life. Right? If you hit me, I'm going to try to get away. If you hit my wife, well, that's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. 
So I hope I never have to do that again in my life. But now the Lord is, 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 is taking it even, even deeper in me. I think I, was, I think I was telling Dan and Linda this the other day where God is saying to, he, he starts saying to me like, don't even think about physical altercations because you're mature now, right? Men aren't, godly men aren't in the streets fighting. And if that's not even a part of your thinking or your heart condition, you're not going to do it. So I want you to be so free of that past mindset that when someone does evil to you, you think of how you can bless them. You think about how you can pray for them. You think like your wife thinks, who is one who, like I'll say, so-and-so was, they did this, that, and the other. It's just say, well, maybe they had a bad day. It's like, no, they're just a jerk. They weren't having a bad day. They're just a jerk. She's like, well, you don't know that. No, I do. I do know that. They're just a jerk. And she's like, Charles, you don't know that. They may, they may have, you know, maybe someone was sick in their family or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, after the emotions calm down, I'm like, she's, she's probably right. So I'm growing in that, Amen. right? But it's hard. It's difficult. Those challenges that I'm expressing to you may not be your challenges, but you have them. And the point that I'm making is your willingness to do the hard thing will lead to your promotion in the spirit. James chapter one, verse two says it this way. Man, I'm out of time already. My brother or my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking absolutely nothing. So when I'm in the trial, instead of looking at the trial, I need to start to rejoice in the produce that it's going to bring into my life or the fruit that it's going to bring into my life. And when we look at the hard things that way, that it's there to produce in me something that's going to make me more like Christ, then we can joyfully go through it. Then we can obey this word, count it all joy. We can be like the, the, the apostles and the early disciples who when they were thrown in prison and beaten and released, they came together rejoicing, praising God because they suffered for Christ. Amen. I remember reading that thinking, ah, that, that's weird. <laughs> right? That's just strange. And it is. But we're called to be strange according to the word. Right? We're called to be different from the world right? We are a peculiar people, a holy nation, God's own special people. We're here to proclaim his praises and to give him glory, not to receive it for ourselves. And so in order to do that, we're going to have to go through and do some hard things. Amen. I want to close out with this verse from 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 8 through 11. Because we're going to have to do this 
if we are going to be good at doing the hard things. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may, may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter is telling us that the enemy walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I love National Geographic shows. Like on, on my Instagram is full of like videos of lions eating deers and all kind of stuff. I love when the animals go down to the, to the, to the little stream to drink and out, out, out of the comes a monster or alligator and just grabs them and drags them. I love that stuff. I just got to be honest with you, right? Hey, say what you want about me. It's nature. If you got a problem with me liking that, take it up with the Lord. It's nature, right? That's why I always laugh because we got a lot of deer hunters. They're gone and people, hunting is so brutal. It's like, have you ever seen a bear eat a deer? That's brutal. Seriously. Anyway, let me just get back to this. Rebecca's up there. She's going to have a word for me after service. Rebecca's an animal lover. But it says he walks about like a roaring lion. Lions, they roar to scatter. Right? So that they can isolate one and ambush them. And that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to isolate us from the body so that we now become easy prey. And let me say this, church, with the enemy, it's a slow drift. We don't just go from being in fellowship, most of us, to just being out of fellowship. It's a slow drift. And the enemy is very patient. That's the other thing about lions. They're very patient hunters. They will wait and stalk and wait and stalk for the perfect time to launch their attack. And so the enemy is, 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 is the same way. He's patient in trying to isolate you. That's why we, to the best of our ability, have to fight against feelings and emotions that want to take us away from people that God has put us in fellowship with. There are times, right, because we're not called to be doormats. And we're not called to be abused in a relationship. There are times where we do need to separate ourselves from that person, but not from the people of God. Does that make sense? Because the enemy is trying to isolate us so that we can become easy prey. And like I said, it's a slow drift. But verse 9 says, resist him. How do we resist them? We put on the full armor of God. And don't get caught up in belts and breastplates and helmets. Just what's it saying? You resist them by standing in the truth, by standing in righteousness, by standing in the gospel, by standing in faith, by standing on the word of God. 
right? By standing on salvation. That's how you resist the devil. Because for most of us, his attack comes as a lie. So if I stand in the truth, that attack is not going to have the impact the enemy wants. Oh, those people over there at Breakthrough Covenant Church, they don't really like you. Yeah, but they're always telling me they love me. And when I come, they're, they're smiling and shaking my hand and they're happy to see me. That's fake. You guys are laughing. That's how I was when I was at Covenant. I got saved at Covenant. I was like, man, those people are fake. No one's that happy. I'm coming back next week. So I came back next week. They were more happy and even more happy to see me. I was like, man, these people. And I'm standing in the back, right? Because it's a young adults deal. And there's like, like 200 something youth, young adults there. And I'm standing in the back like this, just watching all these fake people, right? And I hear someone say, Charles Butler. And I'm like, I turn and it's Pastor Gordon who led me to the Lord the week before. I'm like, what's this dude want? All these people in here, how's he remember my name? He's like, Charles Butler. I was like, yeah. He's like, you got saved last week, right? Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, what's he want? And he comes over and he shakes my hand. He says, man, God has a great plan for your life. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. plan for your life and I want to disciple you or I want to mentor you and I'm sitting there saying what does he want from me and the Lord says you have nothing he wants trust him and I'm where I am today because of that man and Jesus Christ and other people right but I don't want to think about where I'd be apart from Gordon Banks you can't say nothing bad to me about Gordon Banks earlier I said I don't want to fight nobody say something bad about Gordon Banks <laughs> because I know it's Jesus who saved me but he used that man point that I'm trying to make is you're that for someone Dave Grace you're that for someone Tony you're like that for someone else that's you Sandy come on Jolene that's what you're called to do Francie that's you could betray me it's going to take time it's going yes do the hard thing 
Because 15 years from now, you'll be looking at a totally different person. And then when you're standing before Jesus, he'll be saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this do the hard thing. Because we're called to it. And I'm telling you, we're coming into a season where we are going to need each other like we never have before. And I don't know if that's because God's going to be doing so much great stuff or that's because there's going to be so much crazy stuff going on. I don't know which one it is. I just know we're coming into a season where we're going to need each other. So we got to settle our heart to do the hard thing. Amen. So plug into this message. Pray about this message. Meditate on the word. Ask the Lord. God, what is the hard thing you're calling me to do that I'm backing up from? That I haven't given myself fully to? How is what I'm experiencing? What is that? What are you trying to produce in me because of what I'm experiencing? That is difficult. That is challenging. Because we all have a part to play. We're all marked by God. To be used in his grand plan. Amen. Father, we thank you.